Me to lace these lyrical dishes in your bushes. Uh, Who rock grooves and make moves with all the mommies? The, the back, back of the, the club, club. sipping my wet is where you find me. What? The back of the club, macking holes, my crew's behind me. Uh, Mad question asking, blunt passing, music lasting. But I just can't quit because one of these honeys Biggie got to creep with, sleep with, keep the epa secret. Why not? Why blow up my spot? Cause we both got hot. Now check it. I got more Mac than Craig and in the bed. Believe me, sweetie, I got enough to feed the needy. No need to be greedy. I got mad friends with Benzes. See notes by the layers. True fucking players. Jump in the Rover and come over. Tell your friends, jump in the GS3. I got the chronic by the truth. Throw your hands in the air if you's a true player. To the honeys getting money, playing niggas like dummies. Uh. You got a gun up in your waist, please don't shoot up the place. Cause I see some ladies tonight that should be having my baby. Baby. Uh. Straight up, honey, really, I'm asking. Most of these niggas think they be macking, but they be acting. They attracting with that line What's your name, what's your sign Soon as he buy that wine I just creep up from behind And ask you what your interests are Who you be with Things to make you smile What numbers to dial You gon' be here for a while I'm gon' call my crew You gon' call your crew We can rendezvous at the bar around two Plans to leave Throw the keys to little C's Pull the truck up front And roll up the next blunt So we can steam on the way to the telly Gon' fill my belly A T-bone steak, cheese, eggs And Welch is great Conversate for a few Cause in a few we gon' do what we came to do Ain't that right, boo? True. Forget the telly, we just go to the crib And watch a movie in the jacuzzi Smoke L's while you do me I love it when you call me Big Papa Throw your hands in the air If you's a true player I love it when you call me Big Papa To the honeys getting money Playing niggas like dummies uh. I love it when you call me Big Papa You got a gun up in your waist Please don't shoot up the place Cause I see some ladies tonight That should be having my baby Baby how you living, Biggie Smalls? Imagine the Benz is giving ends to my friends and it feels stupendous. Tremendous cream, fuck a dollar and a dream. Still tote gas strapped with infrared beams. Chopping O's, uh -huh. smoking line optimals, money holes and clothes, all, all a nigga knows. A foolish pleasure, whatever. I had to find the buried treasure, so grams I had to measure. However, living better now, coochie sweater now. Drop top BMs, I'm the mad girlfriend. <laughs> Honey, check it. Tell your friends to get with my friends. And we could be friends. <laughs> Shit, we could do this every weekend. That's right. Alright? Is that alright with you? Yeah. Keep banging. I love it when you call me Big Papa. Throw your hands in the air if you're a true player. I love it when you call me Big Papa. To the honeys getting money, playing niggas like dummies. Uh. I love it when you call me you got a gun up in your waist, please don't shoot up the place Cause I see some ladies tonight that should be having my baby Baby uh. Check it out, now full shit for that ass uh. Puff Daddy, Biggie Smalls, Junior Mafia Represent, baby, baby uh.
What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back again. This is Never Out of Bounds. I told you it was going to have a special Saturday night edition. So we're gonna, we got a, we got a few things to talk about tonight. I was going to talk a little bit about Russell Westbrook. Uh, we also got some boxing matches that we got some boxing action tonight. And I wanted to wrap everything up with a movie review. I'm going to, it's a surprise for you guys. So I'll leave that till the end. Well, let's get right into it. Uh, last night I, I made the statement that I think Russell Westbrook, we all know, you know, the OKC Thunder. I said he should be a shooting guard. Now, I know that might seem crazy. Might seem a little far-fetched, but I'm just going to keep it a little bit lit with you right now. I don't think he's that great of a point guard. Um, now, I know what everybody's going to say. The first thing people are going to say is, well, uh, he, what about the triple-doubles? Uh, well, well, let's get into that. Uh, he's a definite scorer. I won't take that away from him. And this is part of the reason why I think he's a definite shooting guard. Um, now, he definitely does, you know, contribute in other facets of, you know, the game, you know, rebounds, uh, sometimes defensively. So he is getting that triple-double. And then on top of that, he does get his assists. But... I don't see where he's, you know, your your prototypical or, you know, yeah, your prototypical point guard. Um, he, of course, carries the ball, you know, up the court, but that's because he's the primary ball handler, period. Yet, I don't really see him setting up plays. I don't really see, and I'm, you know, and more importantly, you know, well, I say this second. I don't really see him leading the offense out, outside of being the primary scorer or the primary person who wants the ball. In my opinion, there's a, a far is a there's a difference between being a true leader in terms of, you know, actually leading the team, setting the example, setting the tone. Or just being the points leader, the, st- the st- statistical leader. Now, by stats, you would say, well, yeah, he's the best player on the team. Therefore, he's the leader. Sure. But does he? do I think he necessarily runs that team efficiently? No. No, I don't. And I think that comes from a seasoned point guard. Uh, I think that comes from somebody who, yes, who can score, whether it be from, you know, from the paint or from three. We've seen many point guards who were able to score points. Uh, that's just one aspect of the game. The most important thing, though, and one thing that I will, I that I will always uh, when I when I look at my, when I look at the top point guards, I look at an athlete that can make his entire teammates better, just like the quarterback on the football team. So looking at that and just looking at the the Oklahoma City Thunder the past couple of years with him, even with him, you know, balling out, getting two straight double, uh, triple doubles, excuse me. And even back when he had the when he when he had the big three with him, when he had Harden and Durant. It's not as though it's not as though he took those players who they were and outright made them elite. Um, I don't think he put them in a whole lot of positions to be great because he wasn't necessarily a, somebody who passed the ball. He proves it. He was a ball. He's always been a ball handler. Um, now, with that being said, and I think this is a great move on their part to get Dennis Schroeder because I think Dennis Schroeder can pass the ball a little bit. 
He can move the ball a little bit. Yes, if needed, he can shoot it. But he can definitely get the ball to Paul George. He can definitely get the ball to Russell Westbrook. And he he can get it to anybody on the court who can score, in my opinion. And I think that's what makes, you know, part of part of the, you know, what makes a good point guard. Now, n- not to say that, not to take anything away from Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook, he's definitely a great scorer. He can score inside, outside. His percentage isn't that, it would, isn't that great, but I think part of that is because there's so much on his plate. I think if he played a shooting guard position and his primary objective was to shoot, he wouldn't have to deserve himself pretty much doing anything else. Cause I don't think he would. And I think that's maybe, maybe that's why he, you know, maybe he does play point guard. So we can have that little bit of responsibility, but if he was a shooting guard, I don't think he'd do too much anything, but try to shoot. And I think that's what he, what he would be good at. I think he could, could catch and shoot. I think he could take it to the rim. Just like James Harden. I think maybe when it comes down to him, maybe he doesn't have the size or the height, but, you know, he definitely has explosiveness and he does not play like a point guard. You know, the more I see him play, I, I see I see a little bit of an Iverson. Um, I don't want to say he's more technically skilled than Iverson, but he can definitely shoot a little bit better. And I think he can defend a little bit better. And, of course, he, he can pass, so quote-unquote, because, you know, the triple-double numbers. And then also he can rebound as well. So he could, few, he could do a few, you know, different things. But as far as, as scoring, you know, he's definitely among that, that elite level, you know. But I just don't think he's the, the, the point guard that makes your teammates better and then helps your team ascend. Um, he doesn't play like one to me. He plays, you know, plays, you know, to score. And that's perfect. That's great if you're a if you're a wing player, if you're a small especially, uh, specifically even in my opinion, a small forward or a shooting guard. That's your that's your primary would be your primary focus is would be the score. Now, outside of that, like I said, he does rebound, but like I said, he doesn't necessarily set up his teammates well. And a lot of the drama with him and Kevin Durant was the fact that, you know, he would he would still dominate the ball. And when he would decide to give it up to Kevin Durant, it'd always be on, be on some, you know, late minute or last second just shot. You know, they may or may not be down, but it's a crucial shot. And he's just going to pass it to Durant. That's not how, you know, things work. That's not how a real point guard operates. A point, you know, a real point guard would have been able to see facets of the game before they get to that point. And be able to get Kevin Durant involved a lot more. And you can look at, you know, you can look at pretty much how his teams have finished. I think a great point guard finishes with a triple-double and they get at least to the the conference finals. I think a great scorer, but an average point guard in terms of how they play the position, can get you a triple-double, but doesn't get you out the first, barely gets you out the first round. I think there's differences. And uh, maybe in the future, just uh, why not? Maybe he should consider shooting guard. But that's just me. That's just my take. All right, y'all. We're going to take a quick break. I told you we got some boxing coming up tonight. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We had a cruiserweight title fight tonight and also a junior super welterweight uh, fight that I'm going over right now. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about that. So we'll be right back, (laughs) y'all. 
All right, my people. So we are back, and we're gonna go over this boxing double header, and we're gonna go over uh, Jaime Muniga versus Liam Smith first. Now this was a this was this went the whole twelve rounds, and this was for the WBO Super Welterweight title. Uh, so uh, Jaime Muniga came into this fight undefeated, thirty and zero with twenty five knockouts. Excuse me, and Liam Smith, he's a he's a game contender. He's already challenged the likes of Canelo, so on and so forth. So he comes in here uh, with he came into this fight with just one loss and fourteen KOs, and uh, from the jump, the fight was a slugfest. Uh, both 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 guys landed shots early. They landed often. Uh, they hurt each other often, so I went back and forth, uh, at least for the first three rounds. I will say Muniga started to get his rhythm around, around about round five. Um, throughout the first three, Liam was sticking him, and if you, it looked like at a couple times it, it would hurt him. Uh, Muniga, it, it looked like a couple times it would hurt Muniga, but it, he never, it never really happened. And so by the round, by the time round four came around, Muniga just stepped on the gas and was able to kind of, able to kind of, you know, widen the gap a little bit. He was also able to get a knockdown in round six, so that helped him out a long way. But Lee, like I said, Liam Smith, he's a, I was, he's a, he's a definitely, he's gained competition. He's been in there with top competition. He didn't back down. He actually, you know, stayed in the pocket with him and tried to engage. And he did that throughout the fight. He landed some good shots on his of his own. I think he won maybe one or two of the early runs. It depends on who you ask. Um, I could I could definitely say in terms of the first three rounds, I could say the first two, and then uh, the third one either being uh, either a draw or going to Muniga, and then pretty much Muniga, like I said, he just stepped on the gas and went from there. And uh, even though, like I said, Liam Smith did that a lot, did hit him a lot, um, I th- still think. Muniga landed the harder shots, and I don't think Liam Smith hurt him too much. So Muniga gets the, the unanimous decision, and I guess the big question for him is, what's next? Um, from what I saw, I mean, I saw I saw an action-packed fighter. I saw somebody who's willing to engage, willing to go head, you know, blow for blow with these guys. I think the top fighters in the junior welterweight division are just a little bit slicker than yet than that. Um, we'll see, we'll see how far it goes with that style. I think they are just a little bit slicker. We got, I think we got the herd, uh, sorry, Jared, Jared Hurd up there and also the Charlo brothers at 154. We're talking 154 right now. So we got the Charlo brothers, Jermail and Jamal. And then we also got, um, oh, the other brother. So, um, I don't know. Like, oh yeah, the other brother, Jared Swift heard. I don't know. Um, he's deaf. Like I said, he's definitely game. He's definitely action oriented. He's going to come to fight. I just think there's a couple more slicker guys up there at 154 who can move around a little bit better, who can hit a little bit harder and might be able to drop him. He was close to dropping Liam Smith a couple times, 
but it just didn't happen. But I don't think he cuts it. I don't think he could, he's effective uh, with the upper echelon of one, at the 154 division. So I'll leave it at that for now. And uh, let's get into the cruiserweight division. And we got uh, Muriat, I'm uh, sorry, Murat Gassia from Russia, 26 and 0 with 19 KOs. He took on Alexander Usyk. Uh, I talked about. I, I previewed this fight a couple days ago. They're pretty much the, the top guys. Yeah. At uh, the cruiserweight division, which is basically 200 pounds, that's pretty much the cutoff there. So they're basically right under heavyweight, right, uh, right under heavyweight, and above light heavyweight, which is 175. So um, this was for the WBA uh, super, as well as the WBC and the IBF, as well as the WBO titles, and this is for the, the cruiserweight division, of course. Now, one thing I gotta say is. Alexander Usyk, like I said, coming into the fight, he is the best athlete of the division. He gives his opponent so many angles, so much to look at. He's not a he's not a a, a stationary target. And you know, coming into the fight, I had already previously stated, Gassiev, he's not a boxer, but he's a he's a brawler. He can punch you. But when you're giving, you know, when you're giving somebody so many angles and your upper body's moving and you're constantly putting a jab in somebody's face, it's hard to really set for the power shots. And uh, Gassiev was not really effective. He was not really able to get it in. Now, every now and again, he slipped a couple shots in and uh, maybe either to the body or to the head. But for the most part, you just effectively use the ring, you know, use the jab kept it in his face, you know, either he's pawing with it just to kind of keep, you know, reach or kind of just see, you know, where he's at in terms of landing, you know, hitting him with the next shot or the power shot. Uh, but just, you know, effectively moving around to me, around the ring, excuse me, making Gassiev miss on his toes, really boxing, like I said, angles, you know, making it hard for him to be hit. This is what the sport is about. This sport is subjective because the human body is, is crazy because the human body can stand up to, you know, constant bombardment at a, at the head or body. So how how do you determine a winner where there's no knockout? And like I said, this is an example. I suggest you guys should see it if you guys really want to know what boxing is all about and wonder why certain fighters win. Like I said, keep in mind styles make fights. Look at a fight like this. You know, especially Alexander from your Alexander Usyk's perspective, he's doing a lot of moving. He's still hitting him with the jab. He's not quote unquote running as a lot of people would say because he's right there within Gassiev's range. But he'd just be able to move his body out the way, bring down the elbow, block the shot. These are things that I'm telling you. You guys don't understand the sport. If you don't get the sport, look out for that type of stuff. Um, uh, Alexander. Moved off a lot of punches, rolled his body off a lot of punches, rolled his head with the punches, took a lot of, took Garcia's power away and made him chase him throughout the fight. And that's something you don't want to do as the heavy, the heavy handed puncher, because you do not have the speed. You do not have the hand speed or the footwork to cut off the ring. And that's what Usyk was pretty much able to do. He was able to move the entire night, use his feet to his advantage. And people will say he's running or he's dancing. No, he's pretty much engaging because he's still throwing punches. Listen to what I'm saying. When you're doing that and moving punch and and moving punches, you're winning the fight. I'm sorry. 
They're looking at clear, effective boxing. The point is to hit the person and not get hit. Now, of course, if you're a big heavy hitter, you come in there, you crack the guy, you win by knockout, there's nothing to talk about. But when you don't win that way, what else do you have to offer to the judges? Just saying. Just saying. So you have to have more. Alexander U6 brings a lot a lot more to the table than a lot of these guys at cruise weight. Now, the big question is, uh, like I said, with both of these guys, you know, how would they fare in the heavyweight division? Like I said, they're one of the smaller guys. They're going to be on the smaller end of things. And don't get me wrong. Uh, you've had smaller heavyweights. You have Mike Tyson, who's about 5'11". But the thing about Mike Tyson is Mike Tyson could hit. Now, you said can box. And I'm pretty sure Gassiev can hit, but they're not hitting like Mike Tyson. They're not hitting at all like Mike Tyson. And it just seemed to me that, you know, I've I've watched uh you know, I've you know, I've watched a little bit of Evander Holyfield's career and I've saw, you know, I, I saw a little bit of his development between um light heavyweight, cruiserweight, and heavyweight. Now he just looked like he grew into these divisions. He looked like his body, you know, matched up with his with his weight class and and in my opinion just looking at the eye test looking at these guys right now they're both 6'3 and this fight tonight they were currently at 198 the both of them now i just don't see you know where they can carry 220 well possibly 220 but i don't know about 230 240 so on and so forth and carrying that power and having to crack somebody like a Deontay Wilder, but that's just me. I think they're perfect at the weight class they're at. They have the perfect amount of athleticism, at least in the uh, terms of Alexander Usyk. Definitely has the greatest athletic base. Definitely can box, mix it up in terms of what he can do offensively, and he can and he could defend himself. He can move his head. He can make you miss by blocking. And he can move his feet around, which is uh, amazing. I just don't know if that if his power. Or even Gassiev, for that matter, who is who was the power puncher coming into this fight. I don't know if that power translates onto an Anthony Joshua or Tyson Fury. That's just me. I don't need, I don't mean to take anything away from them. I think they're the great. They're two of the greats at this division right now. However, I don't like again. I don't know if that skill, both of those guys' skill sets, transfer to the next level to the next level and are, will be effective against the best of the best. Cause you got to remember eventually they're going to have to go against Deontay Wilder. They're going to have to go against Anthony Joshua. And if you guys know anything about those guys, you got to ask yourself, would those guys be able to go 12 rounds with those guys? I don't know. Uh, with somebody the way, with the way Deontay Wilder hits, I, I don't know if a cruiserweight just comes up and does that. I don't know. Um, and they do not look, they don't look like, heavyweights they look they look a little bit smaller than your average heavyweight they look like they belong where they're at but that's just me i'm not the i'm not the agent i'm not the manager i'm just i'm just the fan i'm just watching it but they both look at well they both look they look, they both look like world champs tonight especially music like i said ring generalship to to the max really solidified itself as a top cruiserweight the top of his division he can maybe he can possibly do do things. I will say he out of the two that fought tonight, he probably has the best skill set for the heavyweight division. It's something a little bit different. He can move. He can give somebody some angles. He can give somebody some trouble. That's not pain. That's not 
as, as athletic or is not going to move on their own as well. All right, y'all, we're going to take one last break. And uh, like I said, we got a movie review tonight. I'll be tonight. I'll be uh, reviewing Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok. So uh, we'll be right back, y'all. Please enjoy. As a matter of fact, it is my favorite Marvel movie. Um, 
I'm a sucker for intros. I think that it not it's not that it has to be amazing, but it definitely doesn't hurt if it catches my eye and keeps me engaged throughout. Um, and it and this intro from the beginning, you got the Led Zeppelin going, the, the immigrant song going, and you feeling it. You're pumped up. You see Thor doing his thing, fighting the big, the first boss, uh, Surtur, who had a uh, who had kidnapped him and had him pinned up, and he just comes out of nowhere, just calls on the hammer, and just handles business. And you know, and it's just, I like that. You know, I mean, I you know, one thing I will give you know Marvel is they know how to man cinematography. That's their thing. They know how to set these scenes up, and I really dug that first sequence. I thought it was one of the better sequences of a film that I've seen so far. Get it? it I mean, if you've never seen a Thor movie, I feel like it breaks it down. You pretty much know what he's all about. You know he's already in you know already in a in the heat of a, a moment a heat of a, the heat of battle so you see exactly as soon as he calls on the hammer you know what he uses for his weapon and that's what he does he goes straight to business and i like that in a superhero movie there's no questions about it you know who he is for the most part you pretty like i said and all that really matters is you know his name you know what his power is and if he has a weapon what is his weapon bing bam boom Three most of the most important points done. And that's what that movie does brilliantly. You already know who he is. Now, you break it down, you know, of course, if you've seen, I know pretty much a lot of y'all have already seen it. So he goes back and finds out, you know, his dad, you know, has been, you know, misplaced, quote unquote, by Loki. He finds him in Norway. And they, you know, and beforehand, again, uh, before he leaves, Surtur, Surtur tells him, you know, Ragnarok is going on. It's about to happen. Y'all about to get ready for Odin's not at home in Valhalla. It's on. Now, what I also liked about the movie is, you know, I'm somewhat I'm, I'm somewhat of a history buff. And uh, one thing I do like about ancient histories is mythologies and stuff like that, so on and so forth. And it doesn't really matter the culture. I'm just into that uh general knowledge and regardless so when they were able to you know draw it back even though it's a comic book movie draw it back to some realness because Ragnarok is actually uh it actually exists in, in at least in the realms of Norse mythology so to kind of put those two together and really bring it home you know this is kind of what it's about you know this is how you know of course this is you know you know, still has some relevancy, you know, and I thought that was neat, you know, and if you don't know, for those of you who don't know, you know, about Norse mythology, Ragnarok is pretty much an, an end of times, you know, a bunch of gods, including Thor, his father, Odin, and also Loki die as well, and Valhalla is destroyed, so on and so forth. They do kind of explain it in the movie too, so, but the fact that it's an actual at least in the belief system of the Norse people, I thought that was pretty dope. I thought it was cool to have that in there. Again, it's a, you know, it's a way to connect things together and make it a little bit more, I guess, you know, in my opinion, it's cool. In my opinion, I think it's cool to do that. So I would, I definitely give the movie kudos for that. Um, I also thought Kate Blanchett was bad as fuck as hella. I thought she was hella bad, but yeah, she was pretty a cool villain. Um, she pretty much kicked everybody ass. Well, y'all know that she took Thor's, Thor's eye. I thought that was badass too. And she crushed the damn hammer. That was cold as fuck. 
I wasn't expecting that because she's not a brute character. So, you know, she's like a, a female. So you figure she would just throw us somewhere or something like that. But for her actually just to destroy it, I thought that was dope. That took it a step further. That really made you seem like, damn, that dude might have met his match. And pretty much that was a prophecy. That's what it was supposed to signify. You know, that's pretty much what's going to happen. Valhalla was going to be destroyed. So I, I definitely like I definitely like that. I definitely liked her as a villain. She definitely kicked ass. She definitely wasn't taking no shit from nobody. She came through in like one deep and took on the whole army in Valhalla, even the special forces. So she ain't nobody to fuck with. So she pretty much proved her case. She wasn't, you know. So I pretty much I liked her character as well. One thing I just I don't think every Marvel movie needs to have a whole bunch of Marvel characters in it. You know, don't get me wrong. I guess having Doctor Strange was cool because it's a lead in to, I guess, his movie or whatever. You say, oh, my God, it's an Easter egg. But in all reality, I thought adding him in there was kind of just a distraction overall to the movie. I don't see where he fits into the immediate relevancy of what's going on. I think it just adds like a little bit more comic relief, which is cool, whatever. But um I didn't I didn't think it was necessary. And then again, also Thor too was just kinda random just for having to just to see him just randomly there. You know, he's been stuck as the hole for so long. You know, he could possibly stay there and all that. I thought that was added drama we didn't really need. And I thought Mark Ruffalo I just don't like I just I just don't like Hulk in too much human form. He, I thought he was really whiny and bitchy and emotional, and it got to get on my nerves. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's Mark Ruffalo. Maybe it's just the fact that I just rather see Hulk smash. And then the scene where he jumps out the out the out the plane like he' about to turn to the Hulk or something, and he just falls flying. I thought that was was dumb too. Just saying. Just thought that was that wasn't funny. That wasn't a laugh. I did like I did like when he went to that planet. Uh, I believe it was called. Uh, oh, I forgot the name of the planet, but Jeff Goldblum was there. His his role was funny as a little emperor dude. He was. I think Jeff Goldblum is best used when he could be as cynical as possible and not really dominate by being a lead actor. Period. Let him be as cynical, as sarcastic as hell, and however he wants to be. That's where he's good at. But do not make him the lead actor because I don't want to hear him more than ninety percent of the time. That's pretty much, he gets to be annoying. But in small doses, he's actually pretty funny. And he was in this movie. The Lord of Thunder had that man, Thor, pissed. But, uh, and again, you know, I thought the floor, the, the fight with the Hulk was, like, again, just, just, I mean, I thought the more, the, the most important thing was getting everything right to go fight Hela. You know, and, and I thought the fight with Thor just took it too far and just took it all the way out there. And again, all of it was entertaining for the most part. It wasn't a terrible movie, but again, it just, they put a lot in there and maybe a little bit too much for my liking at certain points. You know, like I said, with the fight with Thor and just the drama with that. And the one backstory that I did kind of like was the one with the Valkyrie. Uh, I think it was Scrapper 129, the girl that ended up, uh, with a lady woman that ended up uh, kidnapping him. I think she was played by Tessa Thompson. Another, another baddie, of course. Another baddie. But, you know, she was cool too. That backstory was all right because you get, I guess you get like another character. You get another, I guess you get like another piece of background if it's not about thor directly then it's about you know the Nor norse kind of culture or at least 
you know, in terms of the Marvel universe and how, you know, more background into that, especially if you're not a comic book reader like me. I don't read all the Marvel comic books. I've always been a DC graphic novel type of person. So it's good to see those little backstories. So you kind of see a little bit more into where these characters are coming from and just, you know, kind of just, like I said, their little culture, what they got going on in that specific universe. So I think that's always cool to have. I thought that that addition was cool actually too. And uh, my biggest thing though, outside of everything else was the final fight, to be honest with you. Um, Again, everything else, you know, it it well the rest of the movie was pretty good in my opinion, enough to to save it. But it's just my my thing that took me away, uh the thing that took me away, you know, from the final battle with Hella is that they basically had to re- resurrect a a being that Thor killed within 30 seconds of the movie, really, in in the actual battle between the, the two of them. Now, they stretched the scene out, you know, with him fighting a whole bunch of minions and talking a whole bunch of mess and then eventually calling for Mjolnir or Mjolnir, however you pronounce it, but the hammer. And, you know, they do all that. He base, But he basically beats Surtur, the big, you know, demon guy, in like 30 seconds. But this is the same guy that's needed to pretty much beat Hela. But at the same time, we're going to have to destroy Valhalla. So I don't I don't get it. You know, if anything, I would have I would have wanted Thor to kind of pick his shit up and go to another level as a god and elevate and kick her ass. But I guess you have to you have to keep trill with what you know, if you're going to name it right and right, it might as well be have some something to do, you know, actually what happened, I guess, if you're going to name it that. So Odin ended up ended up dying. I think Loki was in some mortal danger at one time. Thor was too. He he did lose his eye, but I was expect if anything, I was expecting him to just elevate as a god and get some type of upgrade, and then just end up killing her because to 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 revive. Because in my opinion, if you could if you killed, you know, it, how could you kill the boss? Basically, the 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 boss that beats the ultimate boss. That doesn't make any sense. Like. That's like, that's like, I don't know. That's ridiculous to me. You know? I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe I'm thinking it too hard about that. But if, you know, if, if, <laughs> if Thor was able to be Surtur in like a minute or two, then how come he was not able to be Hela? But Surtur was able to destroy Hela and basically eat her alive. I don't get it. I truly don't get it. But it's just one of those things. It's just one of those things. I guess they needed to have the female beat up the dude one good time and take his eyeball out just to just to say that women are back and they're strong too. They needed that scene. Although it was, I guess they needed that to prove that. I don't know. But it doesn't make any sense for me for them to have to bring back bring back a lesser because come on it's a lesser deity come on Thor beat that like 30 seconds so i'm i'm kind of confused that that part did confuse me but again the action was good um i definitely like that the hulk didn't get did get involved i like that so overall if I were to give it a grade, again, it's my favorite Marvel movie, so I'm gonna give it an eight minus. I truly liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, again, it it had those tidbits of it was true to the 
to the universe, Marvel Universe, the Thor Universe. And again, it has some tidbits from actual real Norse mythology. You can't go wrong with that. Again, that beginning sequence was dope, amazing. They chose a dope song. And the song was relevant to the movie as well in terms of them having to move from their home. So it all, it actually all made perfect sense. It's a movie that makes sense. And I like movies that make sense. So as far as I'm concerned, I gave it an A-. I thought it was damn good. All right, y'all. This is enough for this this week. We're going to take a break for now. We'll be back Monday. Actually, I'll say Tuesday. Give me a chance to go over some news over the weekend. Have a real comprehensive show for y'all Tuesday night. So y'all stay tuned. I will be back. This is Never Out of Bounds. This is El Jamal. Peace out. One love.